Hello, everyone, and welcome to. Wait, <laughs> forgot what I was supposed to say for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Zach. And this is Matt. And today we will be discussing the new hit Netflix series, Squid Game. That's right, we're doing a TV show, not a movie. You might say, oh, it's not really horror. Well, it's kind of horror. There's, there's enough gore. It is horror. It's, it's, it's very suspenseful. So uh, Squid Game is about poverty-stricken South Koreans playing a series of deadly games for a second chance at financial stability. We will be talking about the first season as a whole, so consider this as your spoiler warning. Our protagonist is Gion, a divorcee and father who turns to gambling to recoup his financial losses from failed post-war ventures. Neither particularly bright or strong, his compassion and amicable nature get him through the games to prove to us that humanity is stronger than capitalist greed. So it is horror. I think that that should be the first thing that we sort of approach with this, which is it's horror in every sort of sense of the word, I think, because there are so many moments of suspense. There's pretty extreme gore, especially as far as the doctor is concerned. There's a high body count. I absolutely <laughs> think that it, I think that it counts. I think that yeah. it is just displaced against calmer moments where a horror movie is not going to have sort of the same level of gore, violence, etc. This has that same amount. It is just separated by longer stretches of of downtime. But I don't necessarily think that that means that it's not horror because it has essentially the plot of Hostel, right? Yeah, it's a little bit of Hostile, it's a little bit of Saw, a little bit Hunger Games. Yeah. How else would you categorize it, you know? A drama? Like, yeah, no. Yeah, like, I guess drama, but it doesn't feel like a drama. The label of horror definitely fits the bill. I think that this. sort of any any genre that is going to feature so many deaths and so fast has to really fall under that horror umbrella. The first game in particular is like, I mean, there's no other word for it, but horrific. It's just shocking, like how many people, because like, even if you know, like the premise of the show going in and you know that they're going to die, which, you know, the Netflix description will <laughs> tell you that they're going to die. It's still like really shocking how many people died. Like there's just piles of bodies by the end of it. Yeah, like 200 people. And the whole point of me bringing up the idea of if it is horror is to bring up the idea that it is still approachable mm -hmm. as far as horror elements may be concerned. But I really enjoyed this show with the perspective watching it that it was horror. And I want to say, a lot of people talked about Squid Game. I really didn't know what it was about until I watched it. And I had heard the hype, I had heard that it was like, you know, exciting and dramatic, but I didn't ever know what the plot was. It's really effective in what it does from a horror standpoint. And I would say the only, the only genre that is not horror that I could see having as much blood, violence, death, 
would be the like war drama, Saving Private Ryan, stuff like that. There are aspects in those that are clearly horrifying. I mean, that's the whole point of war movies, so war dramas. A lot of those war movies actually are like anti-war in ways. They have to shock you with images in order to like make the point and get that across. And I think that it's the same here. Right. They're getting the point across. And actually, that's one of the things that's so great about having a dwindling cast like this. In the same way that Hunger Games was really effective at opening a broad scope that over time sort of narrows onto a single character. By the end, you are so deeply invested in Gion because he's come through so much. And I think that that's what makes that that sixth episode, Ganbu, when they are playing with the marbles... So heartbreaking because you've come so far with Ali and you've come so far with uh, the old man and with Sabiak. And and even though she was introduced late, the other Korean girl, I think, was easily attachable because Mm -hmm. of her relationship with Sabiak. Like you feel really bad for that. And so that just reifies how much you want Gion to win. It's also to the point of anti-capitalist agenda of the series as well, because you end up losing a lot of the characters that you develop this empathy for. The old man who ends up being alive still, but it's like that that episode that you're talking about with the marbles, like it was really sad, <laughs> like the yeah. way that he acted and stuff. I mean, he reveals in the end that you know a lot of the stuff that he told young was true it's just weird because they like they really did develop like a real connection and like you can tell that he really did have this like kind of like kinship with young it's just so weird because yeah he wanted to participate in the games so that he could have that experience and that was the whole reason why he started the games in the first place because he was bored he was Mm -hmm. rich and because of all the money he had he experienced everything that there was in the world and he is bored. So he did this and he's, you know, it's kind of like justification. He says to Gyeong, he says, you bet on your horses. We bet on the players in these games. One, that's not a super strong metaphor because <laughs> they're not. No, it's not like the horses that lose get shot. <laughs> you know, Um. well, not all the time, I guess. Yeah, I guess like, some some, sometimes like, they do <laughs> not. Not a lot of it. And there's like the whole thing with the guy who's like homeless and drunk on, on the street. And they make the that last bet of is someone going to come and help him? And that's like kind of a microcosm of what the whole thing's about. Does anyone really care about the person who's struggling on the streets? We know the government doesn't care. We know that, you know, these corporations don't care. Does the every man care? And are they going to help? And that's kind of like the old man's philosophy is he thinks he's giving people the hope and chance of living like the elite, even though they're basically, it's a very slim odd of reaching that. And they're most likely going to die. He thinks that it's better than letting them struggle in the streets. And that's like, he is a benevolent figure in his own mind because of that. You know, I think that idea makes the second episode very powerful and important within the show because, you know, they all they all vote to go home. And within this capitalist society that is like a, a failed capitalist society, it shows how things tend to get even worse because <laughs> like the players that they show, like they stopped working for even like a couple days. And yeah, young Gyeong's mom is in the hospital and like, you know, all this stuff just got worse and to show that people in poverty, they don't get a day off, you know? No. 
they don't get a day off to play a horrifying death game. You know, that second episode when they're back in the real world, it also kind of dulls the players and the audience to like what actually happens in the games as compared to real life. It makes you actually wonder, you know, would they be better off dead? And that's mm-hmm. like what's going through a lot of their minds. And I think that also connects with, I think they bring up at some point that Korea has one of the highest suicide rates in mm-hmm. the world and it's largely poverty oriented yeah and a lot of elder poverty as well from post-war industrial boom that they saw that it burned fast and, and bright and you see that in other characters like song movies and Gyeong's mothers like they're working themselves to the bone and they're like over retirement age a lot of statement statements on capitalism there I have a couple of things to add to to your very excellent points about all of this first of all they lie at the beginning which I think is part of that propositioning statement but you're talking about the game organizers they give everyone there the presumption that they can make it together and that multiple people can win the game but also did it necessarily have to dwindle down to one person yes it did but they in the beginning because so like the last round's the actual squid game right yeah they show in the very beginning it's played by six kids and the and the winning team is three kids so like right. why couldn't that have been what happened here because they orchestrated the death of Sabiak. they knew that song woo would kill Sabiak if given the chance so they orchestrated the chance just hypothetically if because like they're not controlling every little aspect of every game though. right but that's the thing. you can tell that that's the direction that they were going yeah, no, they're they're definitely like they're definitely doing their best to make it only one person, and that and the records show like when uh, the detective goes and looks at the records to find where his brother is, it does show that every year there's just one winner. Exactly. So yes, they're definitely trying to orchestrate it, but it's hypothetically possible that more than one person could. Right, win. but I think even the hypothetical is a lie. You know, because they could say it's a hypothetical that multiple people could win, and that's a that is a lie. It's not a hypothetical when it is so deep deeply systematically built to not allow for that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree for the purposes of the plot. Like that is what is intended. I'm just saying like, hypothetically, like chances, the chances of the multiverse, (laughs) like they could have had more than one, one winner, but you know, for the sake of the plot and the sake of like the statements being made here. Mm -hmm. I don't even, I don't even think for this, that being said for the sake of the plot, I'm, I'm saying the VIPs would never have allowed. And you know that because they talk about them betting on one person. Yeah, I agree, because also then they change certain aspects of the game. You remember like how the one guy who is a, he was a glass manufacturer, he's mm-hmm. using his knowledge, which good for him, and that's this would be completely fair, and then they turn the lights off so he can't use that ability anymore. Yeah, it, maybe they are kind of exerting their influence. And that's the thing, because the, their idea is just like, oh, well, that's unfair to the other contestants. It's like, no, it's not. He didn't have a, a leg up necessarily. He just is able to do something. That's like yeah. saying that having an entire team of men that are all strong in mm-hmm. the tug of war is an unfair advantage. But they didn't do anything to fuck with that one. It's clear that they're organizing who they sort of want to win based on the bets as well. And then we're getting into like the, you know, you had actually mentioned to me that quality versus equity. And yeah. a lot of the games, actually all of them, I think, except for Squid Game and Red Light, Green Light, they all have to do with the illusion of equality and equal chance. Sugar Honeycomb, 
at the beginning, they're told to choose a shape with no context. They're not yep. saying, hey, this is the thing you have to chip out of this sugar block. But And each shape is a different difficulty. So, like, there is no not equality there, but they're, they're kind of like, they justify it as, like, oh, you were all given an equal chance to pick the easy one. Right. Tug of War, I think, is, like, the best and, like, most simple metaphor of this. The numbers on each side are equal. There's ten people on each side. Mm-hmm. But the players are not. Like right. you said, you can have a ten really strong dudes and then, like, the old man and, like women who not necessarily weaker but women tend to be of smaller stature and lighter weight so they're easier to tug over the old man is on one of the teams and has been noticeably weakened by a brain tumor and it's gonna be the whole thing like oh well he taught them how to actually win which then makes it an unfair advantage because he didn't want to die he wasn't gonna let himself actually die we see that he doesn't let himself actually die during the gonbu episode i saw a thing i think on reddit someone noticed in the tug of war game you know how they're all like locked into the rope so that they can't let go and just not fall to their deaths yeah his little chain like gauntlet thing was not locked it didn't have a padlock on it like everyone else's Uh... did that would have kind of revealed the the thing. I guess he was pretty confident that he could convince his team to win. I don't know. But also, like, inequality, right? He's technically a participant of the games, but he wasn't going to die there. The other thing that I was going to say is that I was expecting Gion at the end to go help the guy on the street, the homeless man. Because there's no reason that he couldn't. That would still be fair. The question was, will someone help him? Not, will you specifically help him? No interference. Mm -hmm. There was no other allowances. And he had every opportunity to do it, and he didn't. So he's just playing back into the system. Also with the point of, like, now he has joined the elite. So he's physically up above this guy on the street. So, But he is still kind of, like, ascended to the status of, I'm above helping this person. Even though, like, he's he's shown time and time again, he is a compassionate person. You know he cares about that guy on the street, but, like, for some reason, he doesn't think that he can be the one that helps. I'm really glad I went and watched the first episode again with subtitles instead of dubbed like I did the first time. The transformation in Gyeong is very powerful. The first episode, and I, like, remembered this today, this guy's kind of a scumbag. You know, (laughs) and throughout, like it becomes clear that, yes, he is the protagonist, but also like you can see he at heart, he's a good guy and he cares about other people. But in the beginning, he's all whiny and you know stealing money from his mom. And I think you see the biggest change when his mom goes to the hospital and suddenly he's taking it much more seriously. It's the desperation. A realistic situation, of course. Like, he doesn't want to play the game. The stakes aren't life or death, and then they are. As much as he wants to potentially believe it, I think that he already kind of knows that she's going to be dead when he gets out. And that's the thing. Not only are they sacrificing their bodies in this game, they're also sacrificing their time. It is a potent statement on capitalism because... Okay, you want to get a better job than the one that you have? Take off of work. Okay, Mm. now you don't have money that you might need to pay rent. You live in a city that doesn't have any opportunities for you? Well, just move to a different city and start there. It's like it doesn't work that way. People don't Mm. innately have access to opportunities. People cannot just up and move to a different city, to a different state, to a different country. But people who do have the money, access, and ability to do those will say, it's just that easy. It's another issue of you think that everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. Well, a senior researcher at a university that's published 500 articles 
What's their day like? Their research assistants, air quotes, teach all of the classes. They sit at their desk, answer a couple of emails, and then spend the rest of their time doing the writing for something. Or they'll outsource even the research for the thing that they are then writing for. It's funny that you bring that up because I also looked into the Korean some of their like economic policies and like what their government does in uh, relation to that. Cause they kind of bring up the flashback for Gyeong is he, he worked at this auto manufacturer. There is this union strike that he was a part of. And his, we see the flashback of him seeing his coworker beat to death by police, like during this, this union strike that's gone yeah. violent. Union strike obviously doesn't work. The company, you know, lays everyone, one of these workers off. And then the, the story goes that Gyeong tries to like open a restaurant and like some other business and both fail. So then that's how he ends up with all this debt basically ends up just chauffeuring whenever he can i guess the korean government is very uh, it's very anti-labor in terms of policies and there's like a lot of corporate worker against workers so that has like that's that's very similar to what you were just talking about of like oh wow you, know, like, you have like the <laughs> the researchers that are like outsourcing the labor to these workers who but like you know in this metaphor the head researcher is kind of like of the corporate status you know the, the people at the corporate level are not the ones who are making the product. They're not the ones on the floor, like making and shipping and, you know, handling the products. They're the ones selling it and marketing it and th that kind of stuff. And oh my gosh, union busting, warfare against the labor or the working class, never happening here. Amazon definitely didn't do anything to <laughs> fuck with the timings of stoplights so that people wouldn't be able to actually interact with strikers well and the thing is like it's not that like anyone who's involved in corporate offices and stuff is evil it's the people at the top the people who because you know, not every corporate worker is like <laughs> not every corporate worker is rich but this elite lifestyle and this is exactly what i was talking about with the old man He's offering this this promise and this hope to ascend to that status. And that's what's being dangled in front of them. I say dangled in front of them like it's held above their heads. Like the, literally the giant piggy bank is held above all their beds in, in the barracks room. I mean, just as evidence that you're correct. I also saw that the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, the last 13 presidents have been indicted for embezzlement and corruption. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the people at the top, like they're abusing their power, their resources, the money that they really should be giving to their workers to have a stable economy of equality. But anyway, coming back to this whole point, I think that participation in the game is an interesting thing because part of the rules are you can get out of the game. You can if everyone agrees Democratic vote. to leave the game. In what system is that ever going to work? Well, I mean, <laughs> right? it does work at first. That's not what I mean. I mean that in real life, you cannot democratically elect to leave. You cannot have a democracy choose to escape poverty. Yeah, but they're not escaping poverty. They're escaping the, the dangerous thing that is promising to leave their poverty behind. To lift, them, to lift them out of it, right? You have the choice of participation. That choice is still an illusion that is being presented to you. Because they preyed upon people who did not have the choice. Right. That's why almost everyone came back. There's this American ideal of, you know, you can have the American dream. You can open up your own business and, you know, it's going to be successful as long as you're smart about it. And 
playing the games and doing that here is kind of like the same thing. Like you're taking a risk. You know, it's a very small chance of actually paying off. Oh, you open a little store for yourself? Guess Walmart's going to start selling exactly the thing that you do at a slightly lower price until you go out of business so that then they can raise their prices to double or triple what you had. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, I mean, everything in here is just a metaphor for how broken capitalism is. It's just like cool how they, obviously they're going to call them games because they're games, but it's like almost like capitalism is a game to these, these elite people. Like that's why they're games in the first place. It's not like a lottery or something. It's not like some benevolent way of just giving money away. It's not donations like they really should be doing. It's just, you have to earn it. Well, and I think that every part of that is, demonstrated too with the wealthy american that you know essentially tries to sexually assault jun ho he basically is like if you do this thing i'll change your life but also he Mm -hmm. says oh and if you don't do it i'll kill you and there he can and get away with it yeah and absolutely can he can just sort of do what he wants they say they don't care that the workers are selling organs because they say it doesn't matter to us because that's chump change they're not losing money The only reason they cared is because it was giving the doctor a a leg up. Which they make a point of then removing. You actually pointed this out to me and I hadn't actually thought about it, but I think a lot of people are kind of wonder where the guards come from in all the, the like the red suits. Mm-hmm. the shapes on their masks and you had pointed out when they originally play that dyke g game with the, the guy at the train station the people who choose the blue are players in the game and the people who choose the red will be guards so they're, mm-hmm. they're paying the guards a certain amount of money i'm sure it's not nearly as much as uh Gyun ends up getting but it's interesting because it's like that they all have a stake in this the guards they need their money just as much and that's why they're there yeah and they're numbered just the same they're under closer scrutiny i think than the players are because they have the greatest chance of revolting yeah i think a lot of the power over them comes from the anonymity of Mm -hmm. like who's actually in charge if every guard kind of believes that i'm special because i'm just like a normal person like maybe these other guards aren't they're mm-hmm. just you know like these thugs or whatever that are you know peons of whatever evil person is in charge of this then identities are kind of mm-hmm. kept in the dark on yeah. both sides of that and we see that they are real people like what the whole thing with the organs is to show that they are real people real people who also want money Yeah, and also, like, need to do this for a specific reason. They have some sort of backing, and they understand the stakes. But there's also this kind of, like, secrecy around the number of guards, both to the players and to us. We have no idea, like, is there an equal number? And, like, the little cards all the players get have the triangle, the circle, and the the square on it. And Mm -hmm. there's also, on the guards' masks, there's a hierarchy in that. And Mm -hmm. it's like there's a hierarchy in the working class. It is literally the squid game hierarchy, too. It's the circle is the starting position. The square is where you have to enter. And the triangle is what you is what you end at to win. Yeah. And the triangles are the killers like they're they're the executioners. They're the ones with the with the guns. So they're PlayStation. How much money you think they got from Sony? (laughs) Well, it's Korean, not (laughs) Japanese. So 
Yeah, but you can still give money to other production companies. <laughs> it's, it's also Netflix, so you know they, they got money. <laughs> you think that Netflix produced it, or they just they did produce it? They didn't just distribute it, right? At the beginning, it says a Netflix series, so I would assume that they had a hand in producing it. Then okay, I mean Netflix has been putting out some banger Korean shows. Yeah, what's the other one? Sweet Home, Home is Sweet really Home. cool. Kingdom is really good. That. Oh, Kingdom's on my list too. Kingdom there's, is there's... one of my favorite zombie shows I think I've ever seen. I think this series may have been created because of the popularity of Parasite. And Oh my god, Parasite is so good. I haven't actually seen Parasite yet because it hasn't been on a streaming service that I subscribe to. But from what I hear, it's a lot of the same kind of themes. Yeah, very interesting. Squid Games. Yeah, I think that kind of told Netflix and other media producers that hey, people are like okay with foreign media now. <laughs> like they're they're willing to read subtitles and, and appreciate things for its value. And I'm just so glad that you know we we can live in this this age of like oh man, I have to read subtitles. Korean shows have always been putting out bangers. Part of that idea that oh Americans aren't going to watch this show is entirely made up. It is a powerhouse in filmmaking because all of a sudden the the revolution, the cultural revolution that they are going through, the cinematic revolution, is all about producing really interesting stories with very potent political messages. And they're doing it with casts that are relatively unheard of, with casts that don't have a lot of previous screen acting time. Which is conducive to their meaning. Yeah, which is conducive to... To their meaning but also it proves that it doesn't matter who the person is people will mm-hmm. watch shows that are good that have a lot of depth and power to them i mean up until like 10 years ago american television was absolute trash we have yeah. our sitcoms and those are the things that are like really popular and i don't even think that they're really popular they're just given primetime slots and then called yeah. popular they're on at the times when people turn on something on the tv and then don't pay attention they're the shows that you can kind of just turn your brain off and you watch. think i would actively watch the big bang theory hell no (laughs) well also matt remember where we live i would watch the big bang theory because it was on at the department of motor vehicles in like a corner while i had to wait or i'm getting my oil changed and it's playing i fully believe the highest ratings because so many people watch it's like it is it's hospital waiting rooms and goddamn mechanics office waiting rooms well also (laughs) matt remember we live in a in a hit country that thinks that Mike and Molly is like the height of culture. Hey, <laughs> so. I don't know anything about Mike and Molly, so yeah, you're probably right. Well, it's not good. It's yeah. wife bad. And like as someone who grew up in a household that watched sitcoms during prime time, I don't miss it. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> like this kind of stuff is much better like it makes you think it doesn't just you don't just turn your brain off and laugh when the laugh track tells you to also i don't mind comedies that don't have laugh tracks and i think when you come up with things that are a little bit too heady oftentimes they can be sort of a turnoff but i think that what these films and shows do when they allow for independent production like this is they're better able to weave through those moments of headiness of lowbrow humor getting between the comedy and the drama it is not so black and white there is not necessarily a consistent tone throughout but the inconsistency of tone becomes the new consistency and it sort of pulls you along 
And when they are done in these smaller formats like this, this season is, there's nine episodes. It actually has a trajectory. It actually has a direction that they can take it. They don't need a whole lot of filler. They don't have to worry about trying to get to 25 episodes in a season. They can mm-hmm. just make the good content, put it out there. Well, it doesn't feel like the ending's rushed or anything. Like it's, No. I think the end is quite drawn out and that's the thing is like second last episode 32 minutes or something whereas yeah. other episodes kind of center around an hour length the template of this is what an episode of a tv show is supposed to be they threw that out the window and said this is how it'll make the story flow the best you had mentioned something about sub versus dub earlier oh I, my I've god been seeing things online about people kind of like hating on people who watched it dubbed i watched it dubbed oh if you watched it dubbed or like watched the with english watched subtitles you miss part subbed. of the, the meaning of it but there's also people who are just like oh i'm i'm an expert of the korean language and the the subtitles are bad the subtitles totally destroy the meaning of the game and it's like i think that it doesn't i think that you <laughs> we, can I feel like still we got a pretty good handle <laughs> yeah what's going on here you could kind of tell by the fact that you could have this with no sound and no language and I think that you would kind of get what was happening and that being said I think that there is a culture of nitpicking how people enjoy media that is stupid and egocentric because then they get to be like well I watched it in Korean so clearly my experience was better and more sophisticated than yours was and it's like okay so what you're telling me is that you're an ableist who doesn't like things to be accessible to everyone (laughs) not everybody (laughs) is going to be able to read subtitles at the speed that you demand they be able to read subtitles some people are blind are they supposed to listen to it in Korean if they don't know Korean no So let people enjoy media the way that they need to enjoy it. Sometimes you just gotta do what works best for you. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, that's why I went back. Because I saw some things online of, oh, people are completely missing the meaning if they watched it dubbed. I was like, oh, I watched it dubbed. Let me just like watch the first episode again with subtitles and see if it's like completely different or something. I can tell you there are some differences. Yes. But nothing that has any meaning. Nothing that's like of substance that's different. People who are writing the dubbed dialogue, they know what to do. Like, trust them to do their jobs, you know? Yeah. (laughs) There are people who probably know Korean and know what the plot of it is, or they've at least had translators involved. So, like, just let them do their jobs and, like, trust in it and... You know, you get what's going on. You're not missing out on some super secret thing. Maybe there's something yeah. in there that unless Netflix puts out a statement of like, hey, actually, uh, you know, people who watch the English dub, uh, you missed this thing because uh, we had a, I'm doing like an Obama impression. What am I doing right now? <laughs> an Obama impression is pretty good. <laughs> Michelle! Obama's now uh, the... the <laughs> get in here. They're watching Squid Game. It's a game where... Uh, it's, you uh, you tap the squid and I love Obama. <laughs> I love how he talks. <laughs> what was I talking about? I'm not even gonna. Yeah, just if you watch a dub, you're you're fine. You enjoy it just as much as anyone else. Don't feel bad. We're moving towards an, a society that is becoming more accessible to people with those needs, and there are a lot of people who are very cognizant of those relationships. And it shouldn't be something yeah, that you too. are necessarily afraid of, because then it kind of seems like you're you're punching down on people who are experiencing those realities. But instead, we can think of the positive in that. How can we make this better for everyone? So, Zach, what game from childhood would you fucking rip ass at? Oh, man. Okay, so probably... 
I don't know, probably Foursquare. We played a lot of Foursquare mm. in elementary school. The one in the square one at the end of the time limit is the winner. And then you like rotate out because then you get to see the strategy play out of like, okay, you know, if I'm constantly in the defender's position of being in first place, I'm going to tire myself out over time. So you got to, you know, you got to lose a couple of rounds intentionally, save your energy so that when the blitz comes, you can bring it. I'm, I'm imagining like whoever is in the fourth square, they have a glass platform that they play oh, on. Oh, that like falls out. Mm. And it's like a trap door. What about you? What game? I didn't think of this. I just wanted to ask you. Well, now I'm asking you. But I didn't think about an answer before I asked you. Neither I did I. <laughs> I didn't expect you to care. Um, I mean, um, hide and seek even. like That's what I thought when they first uh, brought them out into that little like like city. I thought it was going to be hide and seek. Oh, the, yeah. Like, the little village. I think that, I don't know why, but like tetherball is... Tetherball? I've never yeah, played see- tetherball, but I'm like, I could... <laughs> Destroy. I'm probably good at that. I'm probably really good at tetherball. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> I mean, hey, from our childhood. Um, crying behind a tree because uh, no <laughs> one will play with me. <laughs> How hard are you crying? Because it's uh, just the first round. He's <laughs> like, man, that guy's crying really hard over there. <laughs> I don't think I can beat this guy. <laughs> that I don't have like a lot of other other games necessarily i think this is just evidence for how rich korea's culture is compared to american culture yeah well too i mean we also sort of have to deal with the factors that america has sort of an insistence on sports very early which is just training for warfare exactly we're training for warfare by teaching kids how to play baseball you're throwing grenades how hard can you whack something with a bat you run into this issue where we have no culturally specific childhood games anymore. Yeah, the music in this, like, there's only a handful of tracks that they use, but mm-hmm. it is almost like game show music. Things that you'd hear in, like, The Weakest Link or, like, you know, whatever they dun, have, dun. like, a timed task. There's something that's that's so connective with that music and also the colors, the, like, set design. There's a lot of retro stuff going on, like... um the blue and the green and the neon like it is simultaneously pulling you back to this very nostalgic childhood but it's also introducing stuff that's relatively new obviously right so i think that that's where they get the their biggest play is that they are sort of grabbing both ends of the spectrum the design of this i think that really grabs like gen z that brutalist art style which is just like overwhelming like you know that mc escher like stairway is like all these colors that like really don't go together at all Mm -hmm. and and like the whole thing is this like mosaic of brutalism because of just the weird contrasts and juxtaposition of like art styles like in the the playground very cutesy like 80s art it's painted on the walls it looks like kids drew it it shrinks all of the people into children yeah it makes them all feel like little kids again mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the whole point of this but also you know the red light green light is the same but it's very like minimalist like they're just running in this dirt field. And then there's like their minimalism of the barracks. So they're really minimalist art on the walls of what each game is. And that's what's really cool about, you know, as the games progress, they take away beds so that there's only enough beds for who's left. Slowly reveals that there's murals of each of the games on the walls. Yeah. Which is love like, that. It was there the whole time, which is great. They could have painted it on. 
Yeah, they could have they could have painted it on, but I like to believe that they were there the whole time. <laughs> because you'd think that they would have shown a scene where they would have painted the mural on the wall that the characters would have recognized, right? So I think that they were there the whole time. And they, yeah, and they never acknowledge it. The game show feel of the glass bridge thing. I don't remember what they called that game. Yeah. It, like, yeah, that one like felt like very game show and flashy. And then like, again, the, the squid game at the end, it was in the same area as where the, the first... red light, green light. Yeah, they're back where they started. Yeah, the, squ- the squid game. I'm glad that they explained the rules of that at the beginning, because mm-hmm. like the thing like in the last game, like it was like when they're just like wrestling and like fighting each other. All Gyung has to do is like go and run and touch like the, the head of the squid. And he's just like wailing on Song Wu. You know, that's what he has to do. And you're like, kind of like, just do it. And then he doesn't end up doing it. Yeah. And he even says majority rule. Can we stop the game? Song Wu kills himself. Well, that's the sacrifice. You know, like he, he was either going to lose or forfeit. Now, he, he knew he wasn't going to win and be able to pay off mm-hmm. his debts and protect his family. So he knew that if Gyeong won, then he would like help his mom out. But also they, you know, they were neighbors. They lived near each other. And it is something so awful about seeing someone that you used to really trust betray that trust. And then in the end, also make the sacrifice for you. Right. Like, I think that it's really heartfelt. Well, and that's the gamble that happens between the old man and Gyung in the end. The, the whole gamble is on, right, the goodness of humanity. And that's basically the gamble that Song Wu is taking in the end there is like he, he puts his money on Gyung to continue being a compassionate and caring person despite his imminent wealth. He goes and rescues Sebiak, who was my favorite character, uh, and gets her younger brother and then gets Song Wu's mother and gives them all that cash. Yeah, something else I want to bring up in this is the use of religion. In Korea, there are, it's religiously ambiguous, right? It's not, yeah. they, they truly have a separation of church and state <laughs> there, uh, not like in this country. Gyeong actually mentions to the guy in the suit who's playing the Daichi, he says that he comes from a long line of Buddhists. One of the main philosophies of Buddhists is that you don't need material possessions. Yet, Gyeong is very materialistic at the start. But then he shows towards the end, like he doesn't go and like spend all that money on a bunch of materialistic stuff, right? Yeah. He just kind of like continues living how he how he used to live. He becomes more of that mindset. There's also the the religious man in the games who, you know, he's always praying to God to get him through the next game, the next step of the next game. And then there's also the the street preacher at the end where Ging is dumped for the games. And first thing he, you know, Jesus is our Lord or something when he like wakes up. Follow him, yeah. There's this weird relationship with religion in this. So mm-hmm. I was wondering what your, your take on that was i think it's another expansion of morality it's something that people say that then people don't do it is solipsistic in that people Mm. only want themselves to be protected because he prays for himself he does not pray for anyone else to get through the games well he uh, well the the thing is he prays for his team in tug of war which is gion's team because he is going to survive when we see him pray even just very briefly it's for himself. It is always for himself first. Well, and that's the thing. That's where he ends up dying, right? Is he's praying on the the glass bridge game. He prays and then he's like, okay, just like give me the answer to the next one. And so he's just like, just go. And he goes and he's fine for the next step. 
Mm-hmm. So he, he kneels down, starts praying again, and then the person just pushes him and then he dies. So it's like, okay, what's well, when you're being selfish about it? It doesn't work. So like going back to the tug of war thing, like he thought God was going to get them through at the end of it. Like he was like, yeah, it's because I prayed to God. And they're like, no, it's because this old man told us what to do. Yeah. And so it's this weird kind of like moment where they're juxtaposing the idea of a God and this old man at the same time where like there is some truth to that right because he is the he's the head of the games he is the one that can influence the outcome of the games the most and so he is kind of like their god when they're in there yeah that has something to do with it but i'm also i'm still sort of stuck on the it's a morality tale as no, well I think, it, I think it's both i think yeah. it's both who's your favorite character I think Young is my favorite character because, you know, you start out hating him and he, he comes around and by the end, you're like, yeah, I'm cheering this guy on. And your favorite character is Sabiok, right? Uh, it's it, it's Sabiok and I'll tell you, it wasn't always Sabiok. It wasn't Sabiok until the Marbles episode and then I was just like, oh, my heart. But I loved Minyo. <laughs> At first, it was like, oh my God, I hate this person. And then <sighs> over it, I was just like, yeah, you fucking tell him, girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Someone had to take Doxu out, and it's like, yeah, it might as well be her. I loved that it was her. Also, do they ever say why she's there? Yeah, she's she was a single mom who needed to oh, provide right. for her she's, daughter. Okay, so it was she the rape victim? yes okay so yeah so it's like yeah she's annoying but also like dark past you know like yeah she's doing she's doing what she thinks she has to to survive that's the whole point of having her there is this is the only way for her to survive at this point she's on her own and she has a child which already presents a stigma in the culture a moral judgment is placed on you the man in that situation is almost always absolved of any guilt even in cases of rape i liked her motto of i'm good at all the things i know how to do or something like that yeah it was just like funny every time she would say it it's just like yeah of course you are i'm, I'm good at everything <laughs> I, know how to do. I think her and sabiak provide a really nice contrast to each other as female characters participating in the game because they're not your sort of prototypical mother figures they're not you know rebellious daughters they're they're there because that that's where they have to be i mean almost everyone that's there that is a main character aside from doc Su, like they're they're there to help their families and that's the the other korean girl who i'm forgetting her name but sacrifices herself for sabiok that's why she was asking her and like getting to know her is she was like i couldn't think of a, a reason that i should get out of here over you she was out of prison right ji young she had been in prison because she killed her father who had murdered oh. her mother oh really is that what that was that was the whole point is that she was punished for the extrajudicial killing of her father who had just murdered her mother she really had nothing left to lose that whole episode is a slog yeah i feel like that episode was like okay now now the main characters start dying and yeah. we start feeling the darkness of the situation and, and the gravity of you know yeah. what is really going on here and between song woo and ali i knew that ali was gonna die from the moment that it started because he came back into the game after stealing that money and giving it to his wife to get out mm -hmm. So yeah. she already had an out. So yeah. he had less to lose. Aside from his life. That's barely a loss in the terms of how the characters are interacting. They're, right. you know, acting very selflessly. That one also got me. It's like Sung Woo, like so cold-blooded. 
there yeah who just tricks him and the whole idea like behind the team that they form before them is like song is the brains and uh, ali is the, the, the brawn muscle. he took advantage of that fact they say team up in pairs of two it's not a team mm-hmm. it's finding an opponent well it's also a really good way of just cutting the number in half you just knew with like doc Su. it's yeah, another thing where it's like not equal because he was like on the verge of losing and he just goes to, up to the guard and he's like i want to change the game the guard's like okay <laughs> Well, they never said that they they didn't matter what game they played as long as they got the marbles. Yeah. He's like, well, you guys, you know, you said we have an equal say in it. Speaking of equality, Mm -hmm. with the cinematography, there were like a lot of symmetrical shots of the guards and like the VIP areas. And then like a lot of asymmetrical shots of players, like players, they're just kind of like milling about, whereas the the guards are like very organized and the the players are very disorganized, like just order and chaos. And right. It was the order versus disorder and like, you know, order of you know th- this is we, we want to keep things the way they are in our capitalist society versus the disorder of like hey we want to change things up because we're we're at the bottom here i think it's super well done it's it's really well done it's not perfect by any means like there are some some holes here and there like the whole detective plot line it was interesting and it kind of gave you hope as to like oh this might be be stopped uh before everyone dies but right you kind of know you kind of know that it's not going to pan out that way yeah i was really sad so his brother won the year before now he's the front man for the game like why is that is there some like weird deal there so i think they leave some questions up to the second season they definitely leave it like open to a second season again not perfect but there are enough questions to keep you coming back for season two yeah don't let your like uh preteen kids watch it though like stop doing i agree and it's one of those things, you know, it is, it's, it is a cultural phenomenon that is happening. And so we're we're watching that cultural phenomenon happen. And so often culture starts and moves so quickly to kids. I personally imagine that there are some people out there that are truly like enjoying the experience of watching people die in these games. Yeah, you absolutely know that. Yeah, there are people who at the end are like sad that Ilion dies. I liked him. Yeah, he was just, he was so cool. (laughs) He orchestrated the deaths of thousands of people. Yeah. That's genocide. You just rooted for Hitler. Like, come on. (laughs) I mean. Although some of those people might. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just sort of presented. (laughs) Never mind. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And remember, go for the head. (laughs) 